If you have your Bible with you this morning, you know that paper thing that weighs a lot of a, a pretty heavy amount because there's a lot of words in it and there's a lot of meanings within it. If you got it, go ahead and turn to James chapter four. Once again, I wanted to say you guys all look phenomenal this morning. It's great to see new faces, young faces, older faces, people that have been here forever, and people that have just only just now graced the building. If you're watching online, I'm so thankful that you're with us this morning and that you're witnessing it. If you're watching it not on Sunday mornings, I'm thankful that you're just willing to to listen to me speak for two seconds. You know, that doesn't happen very often in my house. You know that, right? My kids look at me when I have two, like I have two horns when I speak in my house. They're like, what's he going to do now? But it's just what it is. But you guys get to just stare at me. And this is like the most interesting job ever because the gods called me to have you guys all stare at me. I'll be honest. The other, well, you guys are still turning. I remember back in, for some reason, my mind went back to um, high school when I had to take speech class. And I can remember how I was a nervous wreck speaking to a class of 12 kids. And I was like always going to feel like I was going to have to go get into the trash can and just let go of my cookies and all that other stuff and, and the nervousness. And now I'm up here speaking to 40, 50 this morning, at least in the house this morning, and I don't know how many is online. But it's just the truth and the testimony of what God can do. If you've got your Bibles and you're on James chapter 4, we're going to look at verses 13 through 17 this morning. And we're just going to let it take root into our hearts. And it says, Come now, you who say today or tomorrow, we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist and that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. And as it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So whatever, or so whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. Father God, I need you right now. I need you to give me mind of clarity, Lord. I need you to give me words that do not stammer coming out, Lord, but I need you to have ears in this, in this congregation, whoever hears this message. Let it be a word that needs to go into their hearts and their minds and their souls to give them an encouragement, Lord, because I feel like there's a spirit of oppression that has been hitting the church, and it's time that we start removing the blinders off of what the enemy tries to get us to not understand the full picture. God, we need clarity. We need decision. We need, we need direction, Lord. And let this word be what you need it to be, Lord. And the house said, You see, this word has been one that I've been stewing on for two weeks. In and out of being on pain medicine, so it kind of goes in all over the place. But it's one that the Lord just kept whispering in my ear, saying it's time for the church to really take a good ear and listen hard about a timely truth. Because the title of my sermon this week is The Time of Your Life. And I said, okay, God, the time of your life. You you gave me this title. How am I going to actually articulate this? Because I can remember the songs that say, go and have the time of your life. Something with an exuberance. Something that's going to be a life-changing, altering moment within your life. 
go and have the time of your life. I remember homecoming. Homecoming was the time of your life when you first got into a freshman year. Prom was the next big thing that hit. Then graduation, you had the time of your life when you got through and got your diploma and you were like, I've arrived at adulthood. And then two seconds into it, you're like, I have not arrived at all in life. And then time of your life, you get married. And then you keep going and all this stuff. And I know not everybody's at this part of your life. Some of you more advanced in that action of your life where you're like, I thought it was all going to be roses and everything like that. But what God is trying to tell us this morning is that so many of us look at our lives and we think it's all about the time of our lives. But it's more about your life and the time. Because I want to remind somebody this morning that we were all called to live each day with this thing called purpose. I know. If I were to ask you a a show of hands, how many of you actually have a routine in the mornings? I got one hand, two hands. Come on. Be real. Come on. We're just hot. We're humble, open, and transparent. We all got a routine. My house, my kids wake me up and say, breakfast. And I'm like, okay, I guess it's time to get up. And then it's going through the routine of getting my coffee and me, then getting them their food, and then getting them out the door for school, and, and, and then getting into the office and doing the different things and, and going through the routine of life. Most of you would say, I have my routine, where you would actually articulate the various different things you do. I'd hope everybody has this on their to-do list to brush their teeth. I'd hope everybody had this on their to-do list to eat their breakfast, to take a shower, to get dressed before you get out the door. You know, that's a nightmare for some people. They wake up and they go to work and then they realize they have no clothes on and they're like, ah, and then they wake up and they're like, ah. Better yet, how many of you have to go through every morning and have to try to find your car keys? Am I the only one? See, Nora has those little, little, little stealing hands that'll go and find my car keys, and then it's like, okay, where'd my car keys go? That's never a fun thing. But we all live our lives in routines that we want to keep us on track. We are creatures of habits by nature, and our time is one that's always usually articulated in the way that we formulate how we get through the day. It's like, for me... It's getting up, it's getting going, it's getting coffee because I need coffee to live because I have five daughters and all these different things. But for you, it might be something different. You might not have five daughters. You might have more. You might have none. You might have all these different things, but you have your routine on how you get your day going. And let me tell you right now, every single day, we're supposed to live with purpose. Every day that we get going, we're supposed to pursue it with the actions and intentions to make something occur. I wake up, and my intention is just to get through the day sometimes. Can I get an amen? Amen. There are some days that I wake up, and I'm like, Lord, just let me just go to bed today. And then I have to live the day as I pursue after the purpose of putting my head on that pillow yet again. Better yet, we have other days that have other purposes, that are other intentions that we have to drive home. But each day is intended with a purpose in mind. But yet, we live our lives in the pursuit of our own purposes. 
See, James is alluding to that within this text as he's talking about how today or tomorrow we will go and do such and such into a certain town and, and we try to make our ends meet and do the daily grind. We think that we can get through this life with going through the daily grind all the time with the purpose and with the intention. But yet God is trying to make us aware that it's not about the pursuit and the intentions that we set forth. It's not about just going to work. It's not just about going to Dunkin' Donuts and getting the coffee through the drive-thru on your way to work. Or Starbucks. Got to keep both names out there because they're both good. Can I get an amen? Man, apparently we don't got a lot of Starbucks or Dunkin' Donuts fans in this house. I like my coffee black. It's great. Sometimes with creamer. But better yet, I love my Keurig machine. How about that? I got one Keurig fan. Man. You guys don't know what it's like to have the K-Cups, but I, I don't want to digress anymore. But what I find it interesting is that we live our lives with a pursuit after what we want. I wake up and I know I need coffee to get through the day, but I pursue after it and I try to get through the to-do list that I had set forth and I'm doing everything I can to get through it. We wake up and we're like, okay, I just got to get the kids out the door. We wake up, i got to get through this day. i got to get through this hour. i just got to get through where I don't want to kill my boss this morning. i got to get through so I don't want to kill my spouse this morning. I want to get through so I can get my kids to bed so I don't want to strangle them this morning. I know I'm so violent this morning, aren't I? But the reality is the human nature that we live in is the one that's always at odds with everything that we encounter. That's why I get on the road on 224 and the next thing I hear is horns going. Every two seconds I get down that road. Don't even get me started. I, when, when me and my wife went down to South Carolina to go take over the student pastor positions, I was looking for housing and I was trying to do everything I could. I had to find this one little short-term lease in this apartment in Greenville, South Carolina. And I, I, and I called the pastor. I said, hey, I got an apartment. I got it set up. We're going to be moving down on this state. And I, he said, where did you live? And I said, this road's called Woodruff Road. Anybody that's watching from South Carolina in that area knows what I'm talking about. I'm going to explain it to you. Two seconds after we got undone unpacking, we realized we had to run to Target. We said, oh, it's like a quarter of a mile down the road. We loaded the kids up in the van, and we got going. An hour later, we finally got to Target. Because Woodruff Road was this chaotic mess of all these shoppings, and everybody was like, this is the best thing. So they all congregate into this one road, and it's a nightmare in its task. And the horns are going every which way, and all these different things. But I bring that up because we're all pursuing after a task and a purpose, but we're always finding obstacles. And our human flesh is always to get a little bit more fleshly instead of more spiritually. We're always trying to earn the best buck. We're all trying to get ahead. We're all trying to get to the task that we think is set forth when we don't realize that we're running the wrong race because the race set before us is the one that the Lord has set in place of us. And it's our time. It's, your, it's the time of your life when we realize and understand that the daily routines that we go through are not just about the dreams that we want to live our lives fulfilled with. I know so many people live their lives thinking that if I could just get married, I will be perfect. If I could just have a kid, and then you start realizing you got to change poopy diapers. 
Better yet, if I could just get my dream house, everything's good until you have to pay the mortgage payment of that dream house. If I could just do this or do that, and then all of a sudden they realize that the time of their life that they thought they were pursuing after has more implications and complications than they'd ever, ever, ever had formulated in their mind and thought about and calculated and, and meticulously thought about. Let me tell you, I bought a house, and I loved my house. I missed my house. It was a giant house. It was perfect. I missed my house because it had a great giant bathtub in it. Not this little half little, like, you try to put my body frame into a bathtub. It's not, it's not comfortable. It doesn't look pretty. It looks, no. Don't need, you don't even need to image that. <laughs> I guess the pain meds are still in me. <laughs> <laughs> no, but what I'm saying is we all have these things that, that we thought were right. And I, and, and I missed my house, but what I'm bringing up is I didn't understand that when I bought the house, it meant that I was the one that was responsible for all the repairs on that house. I thought it was the time of my life because it was a great house. I just built it. I designed it. But then when everything started falling apart, I realized I have to learn something. It's like the church today. We're all praying that we get full seats and we're all like, it's all going to be great when we get everybody in this, in this church and everybody's sitting and there's not an empty pew and, and, there, and we're going to see an awesome move of God. But yet we don't understand that when we put all these people in the church, there's the implications and, and ramifications of all these different people with different perspectives that are trying to come into a sense of unity. Better yet, we have all these different vision plans of ministry that have to occur, but yet it takes building upon what we, God has already set for us to understand that the time of our life is always going to be in the pursuit of His purpose. Amen. His purpose, not ours. You see, so many times we get in the way of it because of the flesh. Achan, if I say his name wrong, I probably did, was one that got in the way of the promises that God had set forth. If you have never opened up your Bible, if you look in the book of Joshua, it's in the chapter 7, you find where, where we saw that the army of Israel just crossed over the Jordan. They saw this town or this big giant city with giant walls called Jericho. And God said, hey, I'm going to do a miracle. Get ready. Just walk in purpose. It's going to be the time of your life. You're going to realize it. It's going to be awesome. And so they said, okay, we're ready. Let's go. And Joshua says, hey, we're going to walk this city one time for six days. On the seventh day... We're going to do it seven times. But, but, but get ready. You got to do it purpose. You can't say nothing. You got to do it quietly. You got to be intentional. And so they did it. And then on the seventh day, after the seventh time, it says, okay, blow the trumpets. And they went, -da! and all of a sudden, the walls came tumbling down. And they went in and they, they figured out how to kill the rest of the people that were stragglers. And they did everything that God had said. And he says, this is the proclamation of the promise. I'm going to be your God and I'm going to be the difference maker. But Achan. They thought they were having the time of their life. But
but their flesh got in the way. Because God said, you can do everything, but do not take a possession from there except for Rahab and her family. But Achan saw gold. So he took it and hid it away and he did all this stuff. And then they went to AI and they thought, okay, it's the time of our life. We've got victory yet again. And then they got massacred. And they're like, what's going on? And then they started praying and God started exposing the truth. And they realized at the time of their life that they thought was right was one that was falling out of alignment with God. Let me tell you, I've seen so many churches get on fire for God. So many Christians get on fire for God. They're like, oh, this is the best thing ever. God's doing miracles. We're seeing the Holy Spirit blow. We're seeing everything change. And then all of a sudden they get calloused with the purpose. They get calloused because they start pursuing after what they think they need. They start pursuing after their ideals, their dreams, their wants, and everything. Achan did the same thing. He pursued after the gold more than he did the calling. And that's a scary place when the church gets into that same mode. When we start thinking that we have it all together. When we start thinking that it's all good and we start calculating, how do I get ahead in this? And it starts messing everything up. You see, we can find that even in the Old Testament, in all of it, we can find more characters that we relate to more than the New Testament in so many ways. Why? Because they remind us of our faults and our issues that we struggle with constantly. I looked at Achan and I would have been like, okay, I could see myself thinking, oh, I can get some gold, I'll get ahead. I could relate to that. I can relate to Cain with his anger and issues. I can relate to Abraham with his, with his insecurities as he walks into cities and he's looking around saying, my wife's pretty. Um, um, honey, you just tell him you're my sister so I don't get killed. I can, emulate, I, can, I, can, I can sympathize and empathize with that. I can even understand Jezebel's mentality where she wants to manipulate everything and all these different things because those are fleshly things that are within us. That we have to always say, Lord, get rid of it, take it, put it on the cross, get it out of my life, and let me be different. I can even sympathize in many ways with Jonah. Let me tell you, the second I got the call to say that I was going to be a preacher of the gospel from God, I looked at him and I said, no, you got the wrong dude. God, I don't think you got the right idea of what I am or who I am. And I ran for every which way that I could to try to get away from the calling so I could understand Jonah's fleshly reaction. I couldn't even understand David's reaction. Not just with Bathsheba, with the insecurities when he said, I don't know how big of an army we are or how big of a nation we're going to do a census even though God commanded him not to do so. You see... We are more like them and the, those men and women of the Bible than we'd ever like to understand or actually admit to. Amen. But they're there as an example for how we can overcome as we understand that the time of our life is in the pursuit of purpose. Amen. You see, God is trying to tell us this one question that we all always ask. 
What is your life? Can I just ask you, how many of you have ever asked, what is your life supposed to be? Lord, what am I supposed to do? Lord, why am I here? Lord, why do I have to deal with these stupid people? Lord, why did I marry that person? I'm just being real. It's not, marriage is not always pretty. Can I get an amen? But marriage was always meant to be with purpose. See, your life is according to the text is like a mist or a mist that's, that's only there for a moment but goes away. We don't realize it, but we have these lives that have a time frame and a time point where at one moment, all of a sudden, it's over. We're not guaranteed 95 years like my great-grandfather. We're not guaranteed 91 years like Brother Jack's still going through. We're not guaranteed 33 years. We're not guaranteed five years. But what we're guaranteed is a time frame and a timetable that the time of our life is meant to be called with purpose. The midst has a purpose. The, the, the everything that we deal with has a purpose. Psalms 144 and 4 says, Man is like a breath. His days are like a passing shadow. Psalms 103, 15 through 16 says, As a man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower in the field, for when the wind passes over it, and it is gone, and its place is not known any longer. There's going to be a season and a time where we are not going to be around any longer. But we're meant to leave a mark. Amen. We're meant to have a purpose and an attention. But if the church would get aligned with what God is trying to tell us to do, we would see different. Amen. The church has been too quiet too long. The church has been too irrelevant for far too long. And what I keep feeling God say to do is we've been so arrogant with our prideful ideas of what we're doing with the methodology that we're pursuing after that we've lost heart with the purpose. Come on. It's always going to be the souls that get saved. It's always going to be get the souls that find the Holy Spirit as he invades in their life and he shows them what power and fire feels like. Hallelujah. It's always going to come through the moments where we see Lives transformed. Amen. Sister Phyllis up here with that testimony. I didn't even know anything about that, Sister Phyllis. That's a phenomenal testimony. But let me say this again. If we let the testimonies falter and fail, they lose their insignificance. I know a young man. He was riding his ATV. Got hit by a car. The paramedics were telling him, He's dead. His mama got in the car with him. I love this woman. I know these, this family very well. This mama got in the car. This mama's filled with the Holy Spirit. She gets in the car. She starts praying. She touches that boy's leg, and all of a sudden, his heart rate starts going up again. The, the paramedic's like, I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's going on. And they get all the way to the hospital. She lets go. His heart stops. She touches him again, starts praying. His heart starts beating. Let me tell you a little fast forward here. The boy lives. But there's a testimony that's still waiting to be unlocked because he's still not walking in the full potential of where he needs to go. He doesn't understand that God saved him for a time such as now if he would just step into it. He doesn't understand that the, the, the time is now that if he would just proclaim with his mouth what God did for him a little louder, that the drugs would lose hold on him. 
He's waiting for a time that he doesn't even understand is still now. He's thinking, I'll just wait till tomorrow. The church is like that. So many churches have fallen asleep with the pursuit of the true gospel that they've lost sight of the purpose that they're pursuing after. And the time of our life is still meant to be the life that does nothing but pursues after God. I know this is a hard word. I know this is a difficult word. And it sometimes is contradictory with where we're at in our life. But what God is saying is it's time to quit being a Burger King generation. You know what I'm talking about. Have it your way. It's time to quit being that generation. We need a generation of a church that will wake up and say, I'm not done pursuing after what I want. I'm not done and satisfied with everything that I've ever dreamed. Let me tell you, my life didn't start beating and my time of my life didn't start going until I started saying, God, use me. God, lead me. God, tell me what to say. God, show me what to do. Show me how to act. Show me all these different things. It wasn't until I got into the Word. It wasn't until I got into my prayer closet. It wasn't until I got into the proper timing of God's purpose that I realized that the time of my life is still now. It's the same for you. If we could get into our time of prayer a little bit bolder and start asking God to start showing us the, the, the mysteries of the world because it says in the Word that if we lack wisdom, if we would ask it, He will be giving it to us. If we would be a generation hungry for God in every aspect and every part of our lives, we would see a difference. But we have to be that generation that says, I'm not satisfied any longer. I don't want it my way. I want it his way. I don't want to do it my way, thinking I'm right and proper in everything that I have. I want to be humble enough to know that I don't have it all. I want to be humble enough to know that I am a mess. That's our heart. That's the intention that we're supposed to pursue after. And it's in that that we can find the unity that gets us going. But it's always going to be coming upon if we'll be the church that wakes up. I got four minutes. I did the best I could with one hand to type out my notes. But the one thing that God kept telling me to say is it's time for the church to quit hitting the snooze button. It's time for us to quit thinking that we have it all put together when we keep just going through the motions thinking, I'll get it to it tomorrow. I'll get to it tomorrow. Lord, I don't want to do it today. I'll do it tomorrow. We're not promised tomorrow. We're promised right now. And what James really was getting at is if we would be a, a true Christian, a, a true person that loved God with everything that we have, if we would be a true hungry person that wants to see the fire of God fall as we pray that God lets us be the kingdom that's coming on this world that transforms it, then we would see the difference. But it all comes from not hitting the snooze button. I know we've got an older generation and a younger generation. Let me tell you right now, I can remember that my day would always get messed up whenever the power would go off. 
my alarm clock would get reset to 12.00. The phones now don't do that as quickly. But nonetheless, the pursuit of it is that our routines always have to be set up with waking up on time. To realize that today is the thing that you've been waiting for. The pursuit that you've been hungry for. The desire that you've been quenched for. See, the church has been waiting for today for the fire to fall. That's why I love that song, We Need a Fresh Wind, a window from, or a wind blown from heaven, that he would pour his spirit out. We need a brand new anointing, not some old anointing, not some old-time anointing. We need an on-time, on-purpose anointing because the time of our life is now. You'll stand with me this morning. We need His anointing. We need His power. We need to be the vessels and the, and the vehicles of the altars that are set before the Lord that says, Lord, I don't care what I got to go through, burning through it. Let me be what you need me to be. Let me be the thing that you've called me to be. Let me be the difference to what I need to be. Let me be the difference to my neighbor. Let me be the difference to the person I run to at the Target or the Walmart. Let me be the difference that I go through as I go through the McDonald's drive-thru to get my lunch. Let me be the difference as I go through my workplace and interact with my coworkers. Let me be the difference as I walk into a restaurant and just show your goodness and your mercy upon my own life to be the difference to the server or the people sitting next to me. You see, that's what we need to do, but that's only going to come through when we start realizing that the time of our life is now. Amen. It's not about you. It's about him. Amen. I was going to say, it's not about you, boo, but yeah. But what I really truly feel that God is saying is it's time for us to get ready. Ephesians 5 and 16 says, make the best use of your time because the days are evil. It's time that we set our time table on God's and not the world. The world's always going to cause us issues. But what I feel God is saying right now for every head bowed and every eye closed this morning is if we would finally quit hitting the snooze button, and we would acknowledge that he is Lord. We would see something in us change. I feel like the Lord is asking, is there anybody in this house that does not know the Lord as their Lord and Savior? And you just feel the Holy Spirit tugging on your heart to say, I want to know this Jesus and I want to serve this God. If you, that's you, just raise your hand this morning. We're going to say a prayer this morning. Is there anybody in the house this morning? One? Okay, is there anybody else? You know what? One's good enough for me. One's good enough that I know trumpets are sounding and I know that those around the angels are, are worshiping and exalting God because one life. So let's say a prayer together just to walk them through this first part of the journey. Say, dear Lord Jesus, come into my life. I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. I need you to set my time and my life on your purpose. So I surrender my life to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's get a round of applause for that real quick.
If that was you, just let us know. We have a Bible, and we want to just walk you through this life and this journey, okay? Now I want to ask everybody else, how have you been going through the life? Have you been struggling? Have you been difficultly walking through it, feeling like you're stumbling left and right? Let's just take it to the Lord and ask that he gives us the ability to walk so upright with the confidence that we need to get through this life. So let's just pray. Father God, Lord, I thank you for today. Lord, I just ask that you send your spirit right now and breathe upon us a new anointing, Lord. One that gives us a spirit of clarity, Lord, to just realize that it's not about us, but it's always about you. One that gets us to understand that our stabilization will always come through the promise and the truth of your word. That even when the world or when the world wants to try to blow a false wind upon us, Lord, we have the true wind on our backs leading us through this journey. God, guide us today, Lord. Strengthen those that have been going through this life, encouraging them, Lord, in all that they do, and give them strength to get through it all. Give them peace. Give them might. Give them courageousness, Lord, to get through the difficult times. But, Lord, encourage them with the reminder that the time of their life is now. Remind them that the time of their life is always going to be in the current moment that we are. Even when we try to plan things out, Lord, let us put our hope and our joy in right now. Guide us, Lord, and just be with us. In Jesus' name we pray. And the church said, Church, I love you all. I look forward to seeing you this week. I look forward to seeing not this thing on my arm next week. And just be praying with us this week. Be praying for those that are still affected by Hurricane Irene. Or uh, Ian. Irene. Man, that's old. (laughs) But also, just be praying that God moves. And go be the difference around everyone that you encounter. Because only if we do that, that we'll ever see a difference in this community and in this world. So go and be the church, because the church is leaving the building. I love you all. See you next week.